Well, thank you so much for taking the time out today. I know you're a very busy person and I appreciate the opportunity to having this conversation with you. So tell us a little bit about your background, who you are, um, where you're from, where you live now and, and what you do. My name is Lacey Langford. I am the military money expert. So I specialize in helping people make, save, and spend money wisely. I currently live in North Carolina, but I grew up an army brat. So I like to say I'm from everywhere, just like a lot of fellow military people in the community. Um, So my dad was a airborne military police officer. And then I went into the Air Force after I graduated from high school. And that's where I met my husband in the Air Force and we got married and he went into the army. So I've kind of have this holistic view of military life with being a brat, a veteran and a spouse, but I also have a financial expertise. So I am an accredited financial counselor. And I'm also, if I pass the the test, I'll be a certified financial planner. So I'm very passionate given the way I was raised and, you know, what I've done with my life about the military community. And so I've taken my expertise for the military and money and kind of mashed them together. And it's something that I'm definitely very passionate about. I come from a a very large military family as well. And when I was growing up, I was always taught to live below my means and save for the things I want and not go into debt. And that if I did that, that would give me a lot of freedom. And, but I wasn't really taught to invest necessarily, I, like maybe savings bonds. But when I was in the military and deciding that I wanted to go back to school and deciding how my life would be after military, I decided I wanted to kind of take my family to the next level and really learn how to invest and amplify my money. And so that's what I did after I came off active duty. I, um, well, I started school while I was on active duty and then rolled into university and got my undergraduate in business, concentrated in finance. And that's kind of how the money, money journey started. But it's, it's definitely something that I feel if people weren't raised with it or exposed to it in some way that a lot of people don't get that benefit with learning about money at an early age. And I feel like the military community deserves that and all that they do, that that's one thing that they shouldn't have to stress about so much as money. Absolutely. And I think just as a military spouse in general, um, I've definitely been party to, as most people have been, um, just knowing about different programs that exist within the military, um, different, you know, um, I think our one of ours is million dollar sailor, for example, in the Navy. Um, but there are always these little programs that help help you out or are there to help you out in terms of budgeting and management. Um, are there any particular moments that you encountered either as a veteran or as a military spouse where you really thought like maybe it's not your story, maybe it's the story of someone else, you know, where you really were thankful for the background that you have and having the knowledge that you have about finances? Um, yes. Well, well, one story is I started my business and helping coaching the military community about money out of frustration from being a military spouse. And I worked very hard for my education and all my training. And then it was hard to, to make money at that and work for another financial advisor or planner because my husband was gone frequently or when he was home, he wasn't, you know, he was training and working long hours. And so, um, I was glad for the military community and that I was able to volunteer which is wonderful for military spouses, but everybody wants to make money at some point. Like 
I ha- I have a new saying that I'm just all freed out. Like I have, I have um I have helped um definitely done my part volunteering on military installations, teaching classes, doing one one-on-one counseling and coaching. I volunteered to teach people coming out of prison at the local library. I mean, I've really done a lot I think to give back, but it I think that military spouses deal with that a lot, that they're this like all volunteer force. No, you know, they want to make money and put that towards their family. Also, you know, have their life that they've worked hard for. So um, that is why I kind of went into what I did was I wanted to create a business that was PCS proof. It was like, if I can't go for work for other people, I'm going to make it happen for myself. And I think that is a value as a veteran and a military spouse is like, you are going to get it done. You are so used to facing um, a curveball or a problem that we don't fold like a lawn chair. It's like, all right, this is just another one. We got to deal with it. We got to figure it out and move on. Or we won't ever have a hell of uh, let me do that again. Or we won't ever have a life. We won't have a chance to live and enjoy things if we're just sad or frustrated about whatever the military has thrown our way or life, uh, relationships, money, all of these things. So I think that is a huge value that I have brought away from the military community is that ability to adapt and overcome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important that you know, to mention too, that what you do is really empowering people, um, finances and getting people to understand what their financial, what their financial situation is, see it, um, not look away from it. <laughs> Cause I know a lot of people like to, um, you know, I, I certainly have gone through my phases of fearing finances and, you know, and sitting down with it, but, um, to actually have that kind of control is really empowering because as you mentioned, you know, there's so many things about our lifestyle that we just don't have control over, but we absolutely can have control over our finances and our financial situation as families. Um, so I love, I love that that's what you're doing. And I absolutely, you know, without a doubt, feel like financial advisors in particular are, are worth every penny <laughs> that you put into them because, you know, it's just, um, that is a, that is a wise investment overall, especially if you're uncomfortable with finances, especially if you're not clear on how everything works or how to invest. So um, what are some of the things, you know, a lot of the, the people listening to this podcast are either considering going back to work or maybe they are working right now and trying to be in the traditional workforce. And so they might have access to 401ks, they might have access to, you know, making an income for now. But how do you advise people who, you know, maybe aren't always going to be able to maintain a a job, um, even though they're really trying hard um, to, to maintain their career? What are some of the things that you advise people to do in terms of preparing financially for maybe those times you have gaps or maybe those times where you do know you have a lot of income and you know you can potentially invest in them? What are, what are some of your big tips there? The first one I would say is to live off of one income always. So the service member's income should be to pay for your bills, to pay um, for your food, your roof, um, you know, things you need for school for your children or for you, your vehicles, gas, those type of things. Um, I, as a side one, you should try not to go into debt, but if you do have debt, your debt payments should be able to be paid with a service member's income. And then for your job, for the military spouse, all of that money should go towards quality of life. 
And so if you lose that income, then you're able to weather that storm a lot better versus if you're dependent on that income to make both car payments. And now you've lost your job or, or leaving your job because of a PCS, or you might be forced to stay in that job and separate from your spouse because you can't afford to lose that job. So you just kind of don't want to paint yourself in a corner. So living off of one income, um, while you have two incomes is a smart choice. So that way you kind of don't paint yourself into a corner. You have room to pivot. And so, you know, the service member obviously should be giving money to the TSP. That's something I would also recommend the thrift savings plan, saving money for their retirement. But the military spouse should also be saving money for their retirement. Even if they're not working, they can contribute to an individual retirement account or an IRA um, based off the service member's income. And that can kind of between jobs, save for their retirement. So, um, and all of that can come out of that one income. And by doing that, then you really do limit the amount of debt you're going into, which is the second part is you really want to limit the money that you're borrowing because that's just now you're beholden to somebody else. And half of the month that you go work is going to work to pay for somebody else, not for your family. And so, that living off of one income will really pair nicely with um, keeping your debt down. And um, and the next one is save consistently and automatically. That's really important to weather the storm of transition is that you will always be putting money away to buffer the storm. So if you're putting, you know, and, and whatever you can put away is better than nothing. And that's a something I th- a lot um, – would be the fourth one is your mindset. That's a lot of times when I coach people, the first thing I'm telling them is, Hey, my goal is to work myself out of a job. I want to teach you to do this on your own because you can. And the second part is that, Hey, you have to get your mindset, right? A lot of people are holding on to what I call the backpack full of BS. It's all of their past money mistakes. People that people have done them wrong. They're hurt and they're bringing that to their current situation. And you have to kind of let go of the bad things, the mistakes you've made. You're not your past. You got to let go of the people that hurt you because they're sure as heck not going to help you in your future. So um, that's really um, important. And getting your mindset will also help with those other three, like living off the one income, staying out of debt and saving money consistently and automatically. And the automatic savings, you can set up allotments through my pay. You can also set up automatic transfers um, through your bank. So as soon as you get paid, the money is moved into a savings account and that way it's there for you. It's not necessarily just for emergencies. It's also for opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like what if your child got picked for some elite baseball team and they're in their junior year of high school? That's an amazing opportunity. They might get a scholarship. Mm-hmm. And if you have opportunity money, um, then you're going to miss out on that major opportunity that could actually save you money in the long run if they get a scholarship. So I think those four components are really important to weathering the storm of transition with employment as military spouses. And there's also things you can do to, you know, reduce your um, expenses. So not, you know, things that if you're not working, maybe you shouldn't be buying a bunch of new clothes because you don't necessarily need them right now. Uh, maybe for a special event. So um, also driving, you're going to reduce your gas expense because you won't be commuting to your job. Those little things will also help in the transition. But the big component is living off that one income will really um, set you up for a better quality of life to be maintained throughout the transitions in employment versus um, you spending both incomes while you have a job. And then when you lose the job, your quality of life takes a nosedive. Mm-hmm. 
because you needed that. So I think those four things. I love that. And I love that you you put it in terms of opportunity money, because I think a lot of times when people think savings, you know, you think you're saving for a rainy day, you're saving for an emergency. And I think that's such a, that's a positive mindset shift, I think, to have is you do want to have that um, money available to you if you do want to have opportunities or if you do want to be able to take advantage of opportunities for yourself or for your kids. I think that's fantastic um, to look at. Um, So one of the things I wondered uh, is, do you have people sit down and sort of, do do you think people need to have a vision for what they want to do with their money at first? Or is it more important for people to just start with some basic rules for how they handle their their money? But things in life are going to happen. And when it happens, if you have that vision, it helps you stay on that track and in the right mindset because you don't want to go to that dark, dreary place and have a, a you know a pity party for six months. You need to be able to be like, all right, I had a pity party for a couple hours. Now I got to fix this problem. So having that vision um, is good for your mindset and keeping you on track. But when you're married, it's also key for communication. Because if you have the vision and you guys are both talking about that vision, when you do something that's not congruent with that, then you can check Mm -hmm. each other. Like, hey, look, we said we're trying to save. So when you retire, we can go on a two month RV like across the United States and and you're buying, you know, I don't know, like dirt bikes and like souped up trucks Mm -hmm. or whatever. That's going against our saving goals to be where we want when you retire. So um, having the vision really helps you both um, stay on track together, but also hold each other accountable. And um, also too, you know what you're working for. If you have the vision, you know how you can research how much that costs, then you can start working backwards to figure out how much you need to be saving every month to reach your goals. Yeah. And I also think maybe it's, um, it's being aligned with your priorities too, because I think sometimes, for example, like my own spouse, he doesn't necessarily have a vision for exactly what he wants. <laughs> you know, like I don't, he's not the kind of person who would be like, in in five years, I want this. Whereas I'm the kind of person who's like, okay, when you retire, I want to go be able to afford going on an around the world cruise, you know, for 56 days or, or whatever it is. Like that's a goal, like a solid goal. I know it's going to cost money and I know it's going to take time. But him, he's just kind of like, well, I, you know, I just want to, I know that I want to do something. I just don't know. I don't know what yet. But, you know, you obviously need to save money <laughs> for whatever it is. So it's almost like, right. you know, the, the agreement is that we, you know, we have a, pri- we have an understanding that we have priorities that we want to meet in the future, but we, and we may not know exactly how much money we'll need for that. But the, the, point is to prioritize what we're doing now, our expenditures now and our savings now, so that in the future, we don't really have to worry so much about, you know, having it. I I mean, I think my ultimately, I think my financial goal is to have enough funds so that if something does come up, or if I do happen to want something, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to think about where the money is going to come from. I just know that it's there. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I'm always pressing my spouse to be like, well, let's get more specific. <laughs> let's get super <Right>. specific. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Well, I always say that right now you're saving money for two people. You're saving money for yourself and for your 80 year old self. And if you are not spending less than you make, you are not covering the rent or quality of life for your 80 year old self. So the key component there is to spend less than you make. You want to keep your uh, quality of life inflation in check because it can get real tempting when somebody else is getting a new iPhone or somebody's getting a new car. Um, But I think people that are in the military kick the can down the road on making that decision. Because let's say you came in, you know, when you're 18, you're retiring at 38. So you still have a lot of living left to do, probably going to have another job. And I feel like service members don't start planning soon enough for that transition because you are going to go into a second career. You're, you're going to have to uh, make money that your retirement will not, especially active duty, will not be um, enough to live off of. If you're a reserve, you're not even getting that money to your 60. So um, I think it is important to start to get specific, to say, okay, hey, what do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to be when I get out of the military? And it may not be, especially if you're in a combat arms position, how well does kicking in a door and going into battle translate into the workforce the civilian workforce. And yes, awesome opportunities for leadership, um, organization. There's a ton of things that combat arms positions can do, but you're really going to have to think about that. Um, you know, if you say, okay, I'm going into law enforcement, that's great. What do you need to have credential wise to join law enforcement in New York city or wherever it is that you want to be? And so it's starting to look at okay, this is what I think I want to be when I get out. And then again, working backwards to say, what can I handle while I'm still on active duty to be prepared to make that transition the day I walk out the door? So I think um, it doesn't have to be like super, super specific, but at least get in the realm of where you want to be with your goals and what how you want to spend your money, how you want to live your life. That way you can plan the finance part. Yeah, better. absolutely. I think <laughs> I think it's always a matter of wrangling my active duty spouse <laughs> in, into the conversation. And I mean, a lot of that's just time-based, you know, how many times are, are they away? And yeah, I was, there was actually kind of a funny story. Um, my husband was at school and then he, I think he was in Georgia for a little bit. And then he had maybe three or four days in between that school. And then when he was actually reporting for duty. So he, I flew to Las Vegas <laughs> because it was a midpoint for him. And then we stopped there and literally had an appointment with a financial advisor <laughs> on the phone because I was like, this is the only time I have, I haven't had, you know, that right. time to sit down with you for nine months. And then there's going to be, you know, he was going on patrol after after that out to see. So, you know, it's like taking advantage of those little tiny moments that you have, you just have to get it in there um, to talk about these right. things because they, you know, they're, they are so important. So um, talk a little bit more about the transition and the transitioning out. Cause I know that's something that you wanted to talk about. It's certainly something you experienced as, as a veteran yourself. Um, what are those things that you think might be um different or particular for transitioning um, families, I'll say, not just the transitioning service member, because you did make some good points about that. You know, what what does a service member have to plan for? But as a spouse, maybe, what are some of the things that you should be looking at um, in terms of how you should be helping the process of transition financially um, 
when it comes to your household, because your spouse, your active duty spouse has kind of certain things that they're looking after, like they're trying to, if they're going to rebuild their career um, in a different field, they've got to do all that research. But, you know, for you as the person who has been supporting kind of on the home front, what are, what are some of the things you should be prepared for as well? Yes, it definitely is a massive family event. And I have experienced it. My husband's experienced it, people that I know, my family, but also the people that I coach. And um, I will say 99% of the people aren't prepared to transition out of the military. They're just not taking it serious enough or they're not starting soon enough. So you should be planning at least two years out to get out. Now, obviously, sometimes you don't get that much head up, heads up that you're getting out. Um, and a lot of people face that in 20, was it 2013, 2014 in the force reduction? It's like, hey, you're getting out in three months. You're getting out in four months. And um, so now you got to figure out what job you're going to do. So you don't want to be in that position. So um, looking at the biggest part is what will each of you be doing job wise for your income when you separate from the service? So the service member, what kind of training, if they need to know the job so they can be prepared. If they're in the medical field, there may be some types of certification from state um, that they need to complete to be able to work right away. If not, then you're delaying that whole income right. stream. Um, and it goes to the same thing for the spouse. Where, you know, where are you um, going to be working? What are you going to be doing? You might be changing locations. You might be moving from one side of the country to the other. You also have to think about what is your willingness to move? So if your spouse is looking, um, getting out of the military, are they willing to go anywhere in the country? So is that going to be another massive move for you? And then the spouse is going to be having to look they're basically going to have to wait for the military service member to find their employment before they can get a job. So I think that's really important um, to start planning, but also as a couple to start communicating seriously to say, Hey, um, I've kind of been following your career. I'd like to actually get a job doing what I'm trained for and love. And it might mean that we have to move from, you know, the East coast to the West coast, but then you can find a job there. And so you both have to be on the same page because if you're thinking, Hey, this is now my time to shine in my career, in my identity, and you're going to play second fiddle, but your spouse isn't thinking that then there's going to be a real problem. So the planning and communication are key. Um, so the, the job planning is important, but also the financial planning is extremely important um, because you, a lot of the money you receive on active duty is tax-free. So anything that subsistence is tax-free. So your BAS, your BAH, and if you're getting $2,000 a month in BAH, that's a huge reduction in your income. And also that now you're you may make more in your civilian job to make up for that or make the same, but now you're going to be taxed on it. And if you're doing deployments every six months, every other year, very frequently, that is a cash influx for people's um, finances. And when you get out of the military, you're not going to have that. So unfortunately, um, military families get in this habit of getting a bailout during a deployment. It's like, okay, um, we've gone into debt again. We're going to get right this next deployment. Well, then you don't change the behavior. Keep smutting money like you're getting deployment money. Um, and then now you've gotten back into the same situation. You're now in debt again. And you now think, okay, well, I need another deployment to get right. Well, when you get out, you're not going to have that bailout. 
So um, the financial part is really important to really know how much you're going to be making in your civilian job and adjust accordingly. And I think um, before you get out at least six months, you should adjust your budget to start living off of that income to get used to it. And um, if you are lucky enough to maybe go terminal and start working and you're double dipping while you're still on active duty. That's all gravy that should be saved for the transition. And it's going to take a little bit. So I wouldn't also make any major purchases or big financial decisions probably for a year after you get out till you kind of get settled and, and get used to the new dynamic. And also if you're not retiring from the military, something that has to be included in your budget and planning is now to pay for medical expenses. And that is usually the biggest one. I mean, for for families, that could be, you know, $1,000 a month. So if you now um, are being taxed more, maybe making less and now paying more for medical insurance, that's um, really what hurts a lot of military yeah. people. So I think those are the big ones is like planning for the job transition, the communication for the family, um, and then planning for the finances. And then your children also preparing them for that. That's a different um, dynamic that military brats aren't used to. They're going into the civilian world, civilian high schools um, or junior high elementary. And that may be the case, but they're normally near a military installation where that community is used to that environment. Well, now you might be in a community where you're the the only person that they know that's ever been in mm-hmm. the military. So I think communication with the whole family. Is I important. love that. And then I love that you emphasize, because I think it's important that you don't, you know, it's not just something that happens at the end <laughs> at transition. You can definitely prepare for transition all throughout your military career, to be completely honest. You know, if you keep having these consistent conversations, because obviously people's goals change and ideas change over time, but it's great to have those check-ins every now and then and say, okay, where are we at? And really, you know, if I had to, I love that opportunity to just talk about, you know, what, what are you, what does your vision look like now? What do you think things are looking like now? And what do you want later? And then just keep checking in. And I think that that is definitely a a really good way to, to smooth that transition period once it actually does come. Um, And hopefully it does come when you want it to. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So tell us how people can get in contact with you. You have a lot of resources on your own website. You're all over the place. I love seeing you out there um, giving people advice. Um, So how can people get in contact with you? And maybe what are some of the resources that you provide there that um, and, and how do we get to them? Yes. Well, my main hub is LaceyLangford.com, my website where I have articles and information about improving your financial life back to the make, save, and spend wisely. Um, I also do a lot of things on my Facebook page, The Military Money Expert. I just came off of a, a month of Facebook Lives in honor of Military Appreciation Month where I interviewed a lot of great guests to talk about what they value about the military community and um, best money advice. And then another great place is I have a podcast, The Military Money Show, which can be found anywhere podcasts are. And on there, I really, I do mostly guests, but I do some solo shows where I dive a little bit deeper into some um, money concepts. But everything about the military community, um, coming back to make, save, and spend wisely. And also, I touch a lot on entrepreneurship in the military with veterans and military spouses, because I think um, that 
that's a great opportunity for the community. And there's also a large learning curve there. So, and that plays into making money. And um, I think that's really important. So those are kind of three great ways. And then I'm also on social on Twitter, Instagram, and um Awesome. And one final question. I've been getting in the habit of asking people this question because I'm really into gratitudes. Is tell me one thing that you're grateful for today. It could be anything, could be something really simple. <laughs> anything. I am so grateful for my family and all of their support. Um, I come again from a large military family and um just my whole journey and helping people with their money and um our whole military career family is really important to kind of get through those tougher times and have somebody there to celebrate the good times. So I'm very grateful for them. Thanks so much, Lacey. I appreciate your time. Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of So Unbecoming. I'm Jamie Muskoff. Happy Thanksgiving week. I just spent last week in Los Angeles at USC defending my doctoral proposal. So I am now officially a doctoral candidate. And I want to send a special shout out and congratulations to my cohort eight colleagues in the Doctor of Social Work program. I love you all so much. And I'm so proud to know each of you. I'm excited to share more about my work later. But for now, I am excited to bring you a conversation I had some time ago with the military money expert, Lacey Langford. Lacey helps so many military families get their financial acts together, and I thought she'd be a fantastic expert to have on this show because one of the hardest topics to discuss when you're dual career, especially if it's new or new again, is money. Lacey is not only a money expert, but she's a veteran, a mom, and a mill spouse, and I know you're going to appreciate her tips today. Here's my conversation with the military money expert, Lacey Langford. Oh, I hate talking about money, but I love talking with Lacey and getting to know her. You can listen to her podcast, The Military Money Show, and learn more about how Lacey can help you at LaceyLangford.com. My family is headed out the door to the happiest place on earth this week, where we'll be giving thanks for all of you and the incredible gift it has been to have you and this podcast be a part of our service to the military community this year. If you'd like to know more about me and the show, visit SoUnbecoming.com. I look forward to sharing another conversation with you next week when I'll be discussing a childcare alternative you may have heard of but don't know much about, au pairs, with my friend, Navy veteran and fellow submarine spouse, Rachel Dambra. I'll see you next Tuesday on So Unbecoming. Bye for now.